Welcome to the Dog Trainers Podcast. A podcast created by dog trainers, for dog trainers, or anyone who's ever fallen in love with man's best friend. Hey, everybody. Welcome back, and thank you so much for listening to the Dog Trainers Podcast. Mariano Alvarez here, who's currently being harassed by Brent, who's giving me thug-ass faces as he sips his, his drink over there, messing up my intro. Now, we have a very unique, I think, episode for you guys today. We're very much looking forward to it. This is going to be season two, episode 15. But before we get into that, we do want to give a shout out to all the people who have been showing us love on Instagram. We appreciate you guys. We thank you guys. Again, we know it had been a pretty long hiatus when we had put out those last two episodes and you guys dove right back in with the support and the feedback and we can't thank you enough. So with that being said, shout out to dog trainer, Greg, Ridgeside Canine, Cat Davidson, Dina with Mindful Pups, Devin Riley, Jen with Libra Dog Training, Libra in India. Yeah, what? What? We're both. Uh, we're both, both Libras. Libras. Well. Uh, Adela with Next Level Obedience, Courtney C Cummings, NB Dog Training, and Liz Nacimiento. Thank you guys. We love you guys. And with that, over to you, man. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of hoot and hollered over a name. So just to include her, Blade in India. Thank you guys so much for your responses um, and just reaching out to us and giving you guys this feedback. So uh, I think our last episode was our controversy on whether or not uh, we're going to be having uh, in social media famous dog trainers on, um, whether we agree with them or disagree with them or we actually think they're talented or not. Um, and I think we're still figuring it out. <laughs> so we're still figuring it out. But uh, but that'll be for other upcoming episodes, guys. We do have a pretty good lineup coming up over the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we wanted to uh, start off with uh, we really like this these engaging episodes where you guys are giving us your feedback um, because it really gets us uh, gives us a chance to get to know you guys a little bit better. Um, and so this is just another one, uh, Mariano had an idea uh, called the why series and just understanding why we do stuff right now, as we start growing up and we start getting good at things, you know, you hear this theme, especially, you know, as I was trying to become more of an achiever, we always ask, we always have to ask ourselves like why And every book that I read, they put an emphasis on why do you do it? Is it intrinsic? It is, is it intrinsic? Is it for other people? What are the reasons that we're doing the things that we're doing? And so today's topic of the episode is we're going to dive into why do we train dogs? Why are we dog trainers? Why this industry? Right. And so we're going to jump into this topic today. And we would love your guys's, um, you know, feedback and and your participation because we would love to get to know your guys's whys and exactly why you guys chose this career. Uh, because we're here trying to help you guys, and the more we know about you, the better we'll be able to help you guys out. Exactly. Consider this our opportunity to interview you, the listener. Okay. So, with that being said, here's the first question we have: Why do you train dogs? Why did you decide to become a dog trainer? And and here's my what I mean. There are plenty of other ways to make money. We know all you guys are smart. We know all you guys are capable. Of all the other interests, all the other things, why was it dog training? That's something we really would love answers for. We really would love for you guys to think about. And Brent and I will give our answers as well. And the, the way that we kind of like fleshed out the question, because sometimes, at least for me, sometimes people asking follow-up questions helps me think in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So for example... When you've decided to become a dog trainer and maybe even take the next step and start a dog training business, mm-hmm. which is a whole new ball game in itself, is it the training of dogs hands-on that you really enjoy? Is it you love teaching owners? Is it both? Is it something else? Is it the social media? Is it the, what, is it the schedule? Is it the flexibility? Is it being outdoor? There's so many elements to this 
work to this this type of job we're just curious what was it or what all of the things were they that drew you to it right yeah it's it's and it's probably a multi-layered answer right, right? so i guess i guess to help help you guys kind of understand um I guess us. I mean, the funny thing is, you guys listen to us on a regular, regular basis, and you know, I've been shadowing, or people have been shadowing me the last couple months, and every time I meet them, they go, "I feel like I know you already, right?" Yeah, like, they, right. like they meet us, they follow us, they they listen to the podcast, um, but maybe you guys don't really know me and Mariano's stories, right? Like, why do we do this? Um, on so many aspects, and and literally, we can go into psychology and psychoanalyze this whole thing, and and I know now as an adult the reasons why I do everything that I do, including this podcast, including training trainers, including, um, you know, working with dogs in the first place, you know, I, I so yeah, I guess I mean, you want to start with our stories. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. You want to go first? You want me to sure. go first? Either way. So here's here. I'll put it to you this way. I know that the listeners have yet to see the stuff that we've shot and edited in St. Louis. And you guys should be on the lookout for that because not only will it be dropping soon, but it was a blast. It was a whole new, it was a whole new reimagining of what we can do as hosts of a podcast. It, it was, it was just great. And one of the biggest things that we did was Brent and I had to sit down and kind of open up to the camera, which is very uncomfortable for me. And it's fun because it gives you a perspective on, on yourself, like we're over here asking people questions, helping them open up, helping them tell their story. And it's almost hypocritical to be like, well, why don't you do it? You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we did, we had an opportunity to do that. And I had thought about it since. And here's my reasoning, like why I've decided to become a dog trainer and keep in mind, I'm sure like everybody else, my reasons evolved over time with me. So mm-hmm. I started in dog training originally because it was it was something of a comfort like it was new and old at the same time because mm-hmm. i'd grown up not only with dogs but with other animals in mexico and you know and, and like i was familiar with the concept of like all the isms that are in the dog training world are in the other animal world too like oh some people are just animal people some people know how to approach some people know how to not look like you're afraid some people know you know so i came in with this understanding or you know or what i thought was an understanding like okay i should be good at this like i should have a baseline i should have a leg up you know, Mm -hmm. but the more I dove into it, the more I realized, oh my God, I don't know shit. So it was a baseline level of comfort that maybe fed my ego in a way while Mm. at the exact same time, I'm a very nerdy, very like heavy, want to learn, keep my brain busy type person. And dog training allowed me and still allows me to do that. And so it, it tied me in, in this, in this fascinating like dichotomy. And as I got better at it, I did have this moment where I thought to myself and Brent and I were talking about this at a, at a bar we used to go to, like, Mm -hmm. I want to do something that matters in my life. And I'm not even sure if dog training, like, you know, like at the end of the day in LA, why do I, is it really that much worth it for me with all my potentials and intelligence to just make sure that people's dogs don't pee on their really fancy carpet? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? But right. the more we thought about it and kind of dove into it, it's like, you know, dog training is not only an age old, like multi thousand year old profession, but it's also mm-hmm. very worthwhile and extremely important. I mean, mm-hmm. the better that I've understood dogs, the better I've understood just how vital, just how important they've been to human success and, and human happiness and survival. And 
the closer I feel they represent the more beautiful side of, of human nature when done correctly, you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've developed this urge to want to really know and understand and complete this other being in a way that is hard to really find elsewhere, you know? So my motivations turned from this to this to this. And, and now currently I've just fallen in love with the technical elements of it. Like I really love testing and, 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 and like working on my timing and just technical aspects of, well, it theoretically should look like this, theoretically should look like this, while all the while, every now and again, I have to reality check myself and say, okay, sure, but even professors who I talk to are like, just because it works in a laboratory doesn't necessarily mean it works exactly like this in real life. So I'm constantly playing with that dichotomy. Technically should look exactly like this, but in reality, sometimes you got to play with it like this. And the more that I have an opportunity to train trainers, I'm able to ask them, why do you even want this? Like, why do you do this? And mm-hmm. I find that when they start giving me their answers in their answer to that question mm-hmm. lies their answer to whatever the question they have for me in the moment. Like, oh, well, you know, what if the dog's struggling with this and with this? And, and we start to dive into that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's been my big thing is dog training started as just this interesting, just this interesting thing that I'm like, I could probably be good at this. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into like, oh shit, I'm sure I could be good, but I am not currently good at this. So it allowed yeah. me to like really push and really grow at a fast pace, which I just have always liked doing. But then when I was good enough to be able to slow down and like look around, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. then I was like, oh man, this is actually kind of beautiful too. It's not just like hard and therefore challenging and fun. It's actually quite nice and quite beneficial. And I find the, the art and the fun in it as well. And then from there, I was like, man, how do I, now I have this new rush. Like, how do I share this with everybody? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And where it got heavy for me was actually very recently, very, very recently was, I'm sure people, some people know anyway, I have a dog Simba who had passed like three, four months ago of cancer. I had had him since he was 11 months old. He passed when he was like nine, almost 10 years old. In fact, this October would have been his, his 10th birthday. Mm. And if I could explain to you guys Like, I know Brent knows this. I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but Simba passing and the day after that was the worst day of my life, bar none. And that includes my dad dying and that includes all these other things. You know, people go through their stuff in life. Mm -hmm. And I, I was never able to fully understand why. Why did it right. hurt that bad? I mean, obviously it's going to hurt, but why was it mm-hmm. literally the worst pain I've ever felt? I cried like a fucking baby. Mm-hmm. You know, like legit. And I was sitting there that, sobbing yeah. out loud and, you know, like it's to the point to where I'm almost getting sad like right now. So, so mm-hmm. here's, here's why. Here's the best way I was finally able to make it make sense to myself. And this is what propels me these days as a dog trainer. And my mm-hmm. drive has never been higher is mm-hmm. I've had Simba for the majority of my dog training career from the beginning to modern day. And obviously, as my knowledge expands and my tactics change and everything else, he got better, like a lot better over time. You know, it was a rough start. And then I Mm -hmm. realized I'm beating my head against the wall. And he was a big reason for how and why I learned new techniques. And I found myself living with this really high level of guilt because of that. Because when Simba was like Simba passed a few months ago. I, I was pretty much where I am now. You know, I, I've learned since then, but you know, I was like at a place to where if I had met me with this level of dog training, I'd say, okay, that guy's, that guy's good. Like I'd send my dog there, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Whereas when I first got him, like modern me would eat me when I found Simba. Mm. And I feel bad for him that that's the type of person he had to train with. Mm. And it kills me that all of the payoff was right around the corner. Like for example, my dog loved to love to swim. He passed for cancer legit. Like a month later, we moved into this new house and it has a pool. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how shitty that feeling is whenever I'm in there that I'm like, man, Simba would have loved this. Mm. And I finally, finally got a house with a pool and he's not there. And there's a guilt in that because it's like, man, if I could have done this sooner, like maybe there's something I could have done better. Maybe there's, is it marketing? Is it technique? Is it, is it networking? Is it like, you know? Yeah. And then you get into that toxic place of comparing yourself. It's like, fuck man. Like even my good friends, like even Brent is so much better than me at like keeping friends in a, I'm like, you know, and I wonder, I'm like, if I could have been better at this, would I have, would he have made it here? Could I have had this like a year sooner? Could I have like whatever? Mm. And it hurts me a lot, but ultimately that guilt drives me for my other three dogs. I had four dogs total. I have three left. Two of the three, which like to swim too, and they get to enjoy Mm. it. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But ultimately my drive is I know that I'm an intelligent person. I'd like to think my base operation is like, I just want to help however I can. I try to not step on toes. I try to not, you know, like in life in general, dogs are no dogs. Right. And with that, I just felt dog training was a noble enough, fun enough, difficult enough, rewarding enough way that I would comfortably be able to attach myself to this, like a marriage. Like I, you know what? I hereby commit to learning and getting as good at this shit as I possibly, possibly can, Mm -hmm. which includes giving it to others, teaching it, so on, right? And Simba helped me understand why. Because the next dog I get, I would love to be able to honestly look at myself in the mirror and say, you gave that dog one hell of a life. Mm -hmm. And it kills me that in the beginning I didn't, I mean, it's not like I was mean to him or anything, you know, like I I gave him, I clearly, I can confidently say I was as good to that dog as I could possibly be during every moment of our evolution together. But that poor thing, man, I, I just, I just wish so bad he was here today living in this nice house. And now we have enough employees that I actually have time. Like we've been walking in the mornings with the dogs. Like I would love to have had that with him because he more than deserved it. But that's Uh, why I train dogs. Fuck yeah. I think there's, uh, hearing you talk and hearing you tell your story, there's a lot of, um, you know, my brain always likes to put things in boxes or in columns, you know, Mm -hmm. so that like I can think of them separately because, you know, there's so many motivations that that dog training provides a lot of dog trainers, right? And, And I think, you know, Tyler Muto said it the best. He goes, you know, the day that dog training stops becoming mentally stimulating, uh, that's you know that that's the day I'm going to quit dog training, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. from so many levels, right, the emotional level, the the mental level, the the the, the physical level of actually working and being with the dogs, are, and, then, and then there's so many phases of growth within each of those things, right? So, I guess first of all, as a, as a brother, that was that was Simba's purpose for being in your life man mm-hmm. you know that was simba's uh simba was there for teaching you whatever lessons it is that you needed to learn and i can say you know just being by your side for so many years that i know you gave him the best life that, that you could possibly give him at that time in your life you know um you know we had a 
there was a season literally it was like a couple like right when Simba died we saw like Vinny lost his dog we yeah. saw Blake lost his dog yeah yeah um, we saw Tommy Davis lost his dog and all mm. of these dogs passed because we now we're doing it in the double digits now <laughs> you know? right 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 we're all in the double digits now and and these dogs passed um, all like dominoes like side by the the dogs who were responsible for these people's careers who saved their lives who uh, you know who gave them purpose again we start seeing them fall. Right. And so they, I always have this theory that behind every dog trainer, there is um, a story of a dog or a story of uh, some level of, uh, I don't know, vindication is the word, like like yeah. trying to make I mean, things right. Yeah, yeah. You know, some, something where, where people are trying to make things right. And so I know in my story, you know, it starts back when I was really, really young, but... Uh, you know, those of you guys who listen, I'm the youngest of four siblings, but I'm five years younger than all my other siblings. So in essence, I was an only child with three older siblings, right? Because they never really played with me much. We were never in the same grades. We never had the same friends. Um, and the people who were my friends or the, the things that were my friends were my dogs, right? And um, pretty much a lot of, a lot of awareness happens uh, when you're the youngest, because you get to see a lot of things that your older siblings do, you get to mm-hmm. you get to share a lot of their opinions because they're more educated, uh, they're they've lived more life than you. So you tend to like like the same musics as them. You tend to do the same thing, try to mimic the things that they do. Um, you know, even when it comes to like uh, understanding like social status, like like I, I very very young, I knew that that we were we weren't we didn't have money <laughs> like very young. Mm-hmm. Right. And there was a lot of things at a young age that I was aware of. Like I knew that where we lived was a shitty place. I knew that I knew that things were, weren't ideal. Right. Like, like, like I, I grew up with a lot of really rich uh, white kids, really rich, you know, not even white kids. There was a bunch of people, but they were rich. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Great Nigerian families, um, a lot of, a lot of mixed cultures, but they were wealthy. Right. And so it was really obvious for me to be like, that's not us, you know? So there was this, I very, this very strong awareness of my socioeconomical thing. And so when I was really, really young, I vowed to myself, no matter what it is that I do, right? Because at some point I wanted to be like a performer or an actor or a, you know, a director or somehow I wanted to entertain, right? That's something I knew at a very, very young age. I wanted to entertain people. I knew I was going to do it so well that I was going to make money and be mm-hmm. rich. Right. Mm-hmm. So I never um, had a doubt that wanting to excel and be good at something and, until I make money was, that was always in the cards. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can remember memories of that as young as four or five years old. Right. Um, but the big inciting incident for me, for my dogs, were when I was nine years old. Um, my female dog, Crispy, she was a chow chow mix. I had uh, three dogs at the time. It was, uh, Ralph, he's a Australian cattle dog, uh, Crispy, who was a chow chow mix and Snow, who was a white German shepherd. Um, we wake up one morning and, uh, there's about eight, nine dogs in my yard, right? All male dogs. And I didn't understand anything about the heat cycle back then, so we kind of didn't really have a reason for it. But it turns out that my female dog was in heat, and that brought all the boys to the yard. 
<laughs> right? And uh, neighbors' dogs jumped the fence. Street dogs jumped the fence. Um, and you know, in my neighborhood, a lot of dogs weren't fixed. So there was about nine dogs in my yard. Some of them trying to mate with my female, and she was fighting them. Some of them fighting my male dogs. Um, my male dogs trying to defend their, you know, her honor and trying to defend themselves because they're literally getting jumped by a bunch right, of other by dogs, all those random dogs in their yard. Yeah, and I remember being nine years old and just not being able to do anything. And thank God my siblings were there, so they grabbed the hose and they grabbed like shovels and sticks, and you know, it was a melee, right? It was it was like WWE, right? Like just a big SmackDown kind of thing going on, and you know. Um, I remember, you know, after all the chaos settled, you know, they were able to get some of the dogs. The neighbors came, grabbed their dogs, and over time, the the the, the chaos subsided. And, um, you know, my dog Snow, the male German Shepherd, was beat up real, real bad. Um, he ended up passing three days later um, from infections and and just complications. My dog Ralph, Australian cattle dog. You know, those of you guys who have Australian cattle dogs. Uh, <laughs> very proud of him. He, uh, he held his own mm-hmm. and he kicked some ass, which was dope. Um, and then my final, my dog, Crispy, the one who was in heat, uh, she actually had lacerations all over her body and really deep ones. And those lacerations, she was actually bleeding out in one of them. And, uh, she, uh, long story short, she died in my arms about a, an hour after the fight. And... Again, I remember being a kid, and I remember just being nine years old, and these dogs were my best friend, you know? At least whatever my definition of a best friend was. You know, they were there. They were reliable. They'd give me affection. I'd give them affection. I'd play with them. They'd play with me. You know, I would get in the dirt with them, and, you know, just like a lot of our stories with our dogs growing up, like we were one of the dogs most likely, right? But I remember having this feeling of just thinking like, I'm only nine years old. I can't help you. I want to help you, but I don't have any money. I don't have a car. I don't know how to drive. I don't know how to do anything. I'm only nine. And I remember that making me feel so helpless that I couldn't even save the dog that I love so much. That I don't know if it happened then or if it just planted a seed, but there was kind of this this thing of like you will figure out how to do things, you know, one way or another. Like you will figure out ways to make shit happen. So I took that feeling of losing my best friend and I shoved it down deep down inside into my heart, and um, and uh, I grew up, right? I grew up, and then long story short, when. I was volunteering at the animal shelters. That feeling came back of now I'm older. Now I'm not nine years old. Now I can help dogs. And pretty much all my motivation to becoming good at dog training, to wanting to help people, to wanting to help people with their dogs, all of this in essence is me trying to redeem my nine-year-old self who couldn't save his dog but now I can't and I can help save other dogs and I can help save relationships and whatever it is that makes me feel, you know, um, 
like I um, like I'm honoring the loss of those dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I didn't come to that realization until about six years ago. <laughs> That's why I became a dog trainer, right? Because sometimes you get caught up in the nuances of like being competitive, right? Like I just want to be better than my peers in dog training, or I just want to be as good as that person that I admire, right? And so you kind of lose why all of this happened. And I actually remember um, doing some self-discovery books and actually being like, holy shit, this is the reason why why when I get this feeling like no one can help this dog, I'm like, I can fucking help this dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so anyways, so long story short, right? Now, my my theory is that a lot of dog trainers have stories like this, right? Whether it's the dog that they got, whether it's a dog they couldn't help, whether it's uh, actually, I had a I had a lunch with a good dog trainer friend the other day, and she expresses to me. She goes, "Well, I mean, reason I'm a dog trainer is I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, deal with abandonment issues that I had when I was a child." And I was like, "That's super real. Thanks, mm-hmm. thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for being so open and honest." And I think we all have things, but but you want to so know what's funny? This isn't just dog training. This is every industry, right? Like people who become doctors, people who become lawyers, people who do whatever. We're always going to find an emotional reasoning motivation as to why. Um, But I think when we are very clear on our why, right? Because most of us didn't become dog trainers because we're like, we want to make shit ton of money, right? Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't something that we thought was even possible back then. Um, But we became dog trainers because there was this why, and so as we explore them, I think it, it helps us when we're burned out, when we're struggling, when we're confused, as long as we can recenter ourselves on the why we do stuff. Um, it's definitely going to help in our growth and our, and our uh, art form, for sure. You know, you know what's crazy is I've heard, I've heard the story before, of course, right? You and I have talked yeah. about this. Yeah. I, I've, never, uh, I've never been able to put into words what I thought uh, was that driving force that you were talking about, mm. you know, but as I think about it, it's funny. Cause you know, Brent and I always joke that like, we're, we're like, it's almost like annoyingly similar. Yeah. And there's a feeling that I, that correct me if I'm wrong, that I've definitely felt before where like the helplessness of, of not being able to help hurts at least to me, it hurt because I'm sure anybody listening to this has had this feeling. Have you ever seen like a dog or a person or an animal or whatever in, in some sort of pain or in some sort of a bad situation and you just want so bad for them to feel a level of warmth that you have, but for some reason you can't give them? Mm-hmm. I, I know younger as a dog trainer, I felt that way with dogs that, are, that come in and are very like reactive and scared. Mm-hmm. And there's this urge of like, I just want you to know how bad I just want to be friends with you. Yeah. And I, and I just want you to feel the, like the love, the, the, the fun, the good, the, all this positive stuff that I have mm-hmm. in store for you. And I know you're scared right now, but I cannot wait for this moment for that little light bulb to click. Yeah. And I've, I've felt that downside as well with animals, including dogs and, and family and whatever people in my life, you know, some of which you are lucky are not anymore and everything, but, but I, I've definitely felt that moment where it's like, because I can't help you right now, it's almost like, what am I good for? Mm. And that, that question needs an answer. 
And that answer is what pushes you. It's like, well, motherfucker, you better get good at something. Mm-hmm. And then we find something and we're like, whoa, like this, this is, this is here. This is the question right here. Like, how can I find this answer? Mm-hmm. And we get to this point where you can ask yourself in the mirror, cause I'm really hard on myself. I'm sure not everybody's this, this bad with it, but you know, if or I, maybe they are, who knows? Or, or maybe they are. I mean, I'm, <laughs> like, I hope they're not cause this shit, it's not great. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's not healthy. <laughs> you know, it's not. And I understand that by the way, but you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. Right. So if I can look at myself and it can be hard to do and be like, what are you good for? Like, really, you mm-hmm. know, and I have an answer like, okay, well, I'm good for this. How about this? You know, this pain that I've seen, this pain that, that has, has hurt me, has hurt others. So that, you know, I can help mend that and I can help avoid that and I can help teach others how to do the same thing. That's yeah. what I'm good for. And that gives me a purpose and a function. And I kind of need that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I, and, and I guess some people would call that like love, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. they'd call that what, what unconditional love is, right? And well, that is the definition of love is wanting better for another thing that with no benefit yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and you know, my mom just visited, and and so she always talks about like unconditional love and unconditional and acceptance and all this stuff, right? My mom, my mom's seventy something, and she's always preaching good vibes and and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, it it, it kind of lays into like why we love helping, like why we love teaching, why we love. You know, like why why we love shadows. You know what I mean? Like, because it's like you know, even if we can help you learn something, that's going to help prevent some pain or help you, um, you know, understand something clearer to help so that you can help. Right? That it becomes kind of this trickle down effect of my help helps you help others who mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. others help others. Right? And 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 it's great. Right? And it's really really great. And you know, in doing so come certain competencies, right? Like, like the motivation can be like, I want to help you. I want to support you. I want to strengthen you. I want to do all these other things. But in order to do those things, we also have to get good at shit, right? Mm-hmm. We also have to try hard. And so, you know, I remember when I was, when I was first learning dog training, one of the biggest motivations for me was just uh, competing against my peers, Right. So like, like, you know, if I was at the bottom of the totem pole at my job at at canines only where I used to work, um, my only objective was to be better than the person right above me. (laughs) And so I worked really, really hard to outperform them. And then before I knew it, I got better than them. And then eventually I would take their job, Mm -hmm. right. Or their position. Right. And then the same thing, I would work a little bit harder than the person above me. And I, this, but it was so easy because there was a ladder to climb, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was able Mm to just climb that ladder because in my mind, I knew um, climbing that ladder would eventually mean more opportunity and or money. Right. Right. And so I didn't really care so much about, you know, um, at that point, it was very driven competitively, right? There's right. a lot of competitive drive there. But what it forced me to do, one of the byproducts of that competitiveness, which is which I, I think it is in any sport, right, is you get better, you get faster, you get right. stronger. Your work ethic gets you can do things quicker than other people, therefore making your your hour worth more than someone else's hour, right? Right. Um, and little by little, I remember feeling physically capable and competent enough to train a dog that I felt like I was awesome, right? I felt, I felt a certain level of competency that I was just like, okay, I've reached for that stage in my life what I'm capable of. And then on top of that became a whole nother aspect, business, 
mm. right? Understanding business, understanding sales, understanding closing, understanding contracts. And even though it was something very different than actually training dogs, it starts to stimulate your brain in a way where you're like, all right, well, if my ultimate goal is I want to be able to help people or, or help other dogs, I need to know how to do this logistical stuff, right? Like these sales, like how can I help people? How can I sell to people so that I have the opportunity to help them um, and, 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 and change their lives, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a business aspect to all of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And so learning these two worlds of, or three worlds of like my emotional motivation, my physical skill, right? And then on top of that, my ability to help and also make money, at the same mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. Those were all very mentally stimulating, right? It's like learning chess for the first time. You're just like, I suck at chess right now, but the more I play, the more I'm going to be two steps ahead, three steps ahead, four steps ahead, five steps ahead, right? And or I know what moves are possible to make, um, and it, you know, and I feel that that every industry, if you stick within it, right, when you start going from being the practitioner or like being the person who's, you know, learning the craft to being the person who's leading the people who are learning the craft or being the people who are responsible for getting the clients that the craft is for, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. whether it's employee management, supervising, like, you know, like every aspect of every uh, business or like position within an organization, it can be, has potential to be mentally stimulating and keep you growing if your main focus is growth, right? Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate enough to have a mentor and I was fortunate enough to have someone there who, when I did have questions, Hey, how do I do this? <laughs> or I want to do a good job here, but I'm fucking lost. Guide me, please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was, that was, uh, it, it, it is crazy how the wise change, but then they all come up to the same main like goals, the right. same main original goal. You know, you can totally. connect them back. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And and that's exactly why I started asking people this question. That's why I figured this would be a fun one to do because asking yourself why in a broad sense, like why do I even do this? Well, you know, it helps you kind of take tally of where you are and why you are where you are. Yeah. So just to give it another angle, because ultimately we're asking this question for you guys. When you decided you wanted to become a dog trainer, was it like... I want to train dogs or did it start with like, I want to train my dog and that's what kind of backdoored you into it. Cause a lot of trainers have that story. They just want to get Mm -hmm. better at communicating with their own dog. Then they fall in love with what training really is. Mm -hmm. Was it uh, a trainer? I mean, luckily we are growing up in the, uh, in the era of like dog training can legitimately be popular and like on TV and stuff like that, you know? So was it one of those things? Because I don't see any shame in that. There's a lot of singers that really want to be like an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there somebody out there that's like, man, I would love to be like this person. You know, mm-hmm. it's all good, right? But I'd love to know. I genuinely would love to know. And I'd love to know the why. You know, like for example, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's like a certain controversy surrounding like Cesar Milan that didn't used to be there. Mm-hmm. But I've never heard anybody say anything negative about his like presence, like his energy, like, oh man, well, just he as an individual, the way he talks, the way he is, like his, his, mm-hmm. everybody tells me the same thing. He has a, such a warm energy to him. Mm-hmm. And every client who I know personally who had worked with him says the same thing. Mm-hmm. And 
I can absolutely not only see in others, but in myself, like I would love to have that. Sometimes I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm Mm -hmm. like a little too analytical and cold and I actively try to not be that way. I would Mm -hmm. love to have this, this skill that seems innate, but for all I know, he busted his ass to get it to, to have this sort of presence to you. That's just calming. And is just that effective and and that that, like neutralizing of, of insecurity and fears, Mm -hmm. you know, for clients as well as the dogs. Right. That's a big one. Or I've mm-hmm. seen trainers before who I love, love Michael Ellis, Ivan, JJ, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many people that I'm like, man, just your deep level of understanding in a particular topic is stimulating to me. It's like, if mm-hmm. I watch a jujitsu seminar, they're not broad. It's like, let me show you the 42,000 different ways to do this one small thing. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. like the best part is like to really master anything, any one tiny, tiny piece is stimulating. Is it that you want to be able to be that person? You know, and that's important if you do, because like Brent was saying, you, you reach this point to where you go from emulating these people and like, and competing against these people to Mm -hmm. becoming these people Mm -hmm. and the people who come after us who want to compete, they need somebody to compete with. I personally don't see competition to be bad. I think it's great. I think it's good. I love Mm -hmm. somebody with a competitive spirit. I love it. Mm -hmm. So fuck it let's give them hell like if you know it's good to compete so let's give them something to sharpen themselves on right yeah that's the goal and when they get better good they were supposed to they're supposed to beat you that's the way human evolution works yep. but make it as difficult as you can and that's the fun. <laughs> you know what i mean like but that's the fun yeah like, man. people I are mean, going to be better than me it's sure I yeah mean, you know but that's the point is like all right well let's let me help you get as good as you possibly can because you know what then my kids yeah. can you know and then like it's a it's a never grown yeah. thing i've always found and, and that might be on a person-to-person basis, but when someone's better than me, it triggers inspiration, right? Oh, when I, if I go to a concert and I see someone like just killing it on stage, I come home and I'm playing the piano like right away. You know what I mean? Yo, and dude. you know, when you look at the greats of anything, right? Like I'm, I'm sure Kobe had people he competed against before he decided that pff, no one's going to beat me ever again. Right. Um, like Michael Jackson was a big fan of, you know, Fred Astaire, James Brown, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the Beatles, right? He was a big well, fan even of his own, Even his own musicians. What was his drummer's name? Sugarfoot? And Michael yeah. Jackson would always talk about how this guy was just perfect. Like, yeah. there was no mistake. There was no being offbeat. He was just, and, and it was effortless too. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so you, you, you get inspired by greatness and you get inspired by people who have skills uh, that you desire, Right, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's honestly how we share information, and that's 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 why we ask each other for help, right? And then all that's all that's really good, but you know, it's it's to go back on the subject um, of the whys, right? Like like why why do we do all this stuff? There's a natural need for growth in any industry. There's a natural need mm-hmm. for growth in every human. There's a natural need to heal. There's a natural need to you know um, help to sit and down. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Because you said heal. Uh, yeah, heal, heal, heal. Sitting down. Um, but yeah, there's a natural need to heal things, right? And I and I would say, at some point as an adult, we're always trying to heal something from our past, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever it is that we're doing, um, because that's part of the growth process. That's part of the, the 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 journey, right? So awesome. You know how I look at it is is this the constant search of purpose? You know, like I've yeah. heard lots of psychologists talk about we need to feel like we're contributing to something. Yeah. That's why religions even exist. That's why, you know, yep. like, because like it, it would technically make no sense to, to like buy into something that limits you in certain ways, like, you know, 
I'm yeah. not anti like please nobody nobody hate mail me. I'm not you know I'm just saying like yeah, yeah. there there Canceled. is uh, I know but you get what I'm saying like I'm not yeah, anti religion yeah. or anything. I'm just saying like like when you look at a lot of things, even weird little things that like like why why in the world does Disney have like little Disney gangs that like, you know, but it's, it's because it's kind of limiting in a sense, right? Like what if you like somebody who's from the other, you know, it's so funny how this stuff all works, but mm-hmm. people constantly seek purpose. And yep. in so doing, they find their best, most accurate version of purpose based on where you are and your understandings of the world and your values and everything. And right. that's why all these different like organizational styles of anything exist, which is cool and all like, that's great. I get it. That's how we are. But I think, People who are very hyper competitive, like I'm hyper and I know Brent's hyper competitive, you know, like what you were explaining, that feeling when you see somebody like do something great that you wish you could do like that. Mm-hmm. The I can't describe the feeling other than just this feeling of like, oh, like I want to be that good. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, I want to do that too. Yeah. I want to be that good. And it's like, I take my hat off to you, but ah, oh, damn it. Like, you know, it's, well, it's this you. fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's this fun competitive, yeah. you know, and I'm happy you can do it. I really am. But, but I also get competitive. Like, damn, I want to, <laughs> you know. No, that's so, good. And I think that's why also we surround ourselves with very, you know, like, like we're lucky to surround ourselves with great trainers, you know, yeah. and, and people we've met through this podcast and, and people that we got to meet in person. And, and uh, what, even if it's just a character trait, like, man, they're so fucking cool. Right. You're so kind. You're so genuine. You're so this, you're so that. Yeah, like Larry like, Crone comes to mind. He's so warm. Yeah, yeah. You know what he, I mean? He's super warm. Yeah. He's cool as fuck and just chill. Right. But yeah, no, there's like, we're fortunate, you know? And so, yeah. but we purposely, here's the big thing is we purposely surround ourselves with these people um, right. that we admire, which is great. Right, right, it, right. Man. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you guys so, so much. Really do tell us why we'd love to know why did you decide to become a dog trainer? What are your favorite elements of being a dog trainer? And and please do also let us know you guys, do you enjoy this question? Because there are other whys that we wanted to bring up in future episodes. So you guys let us know. Would you like to hear them? Would you like to hear something mm-hmm. else? It's all good. You can say no. Why you this know, technique? Why that Yeah, technique? why this technique? Why this method? Why this why, tool? Yeah. Why board and training? Why private lessons? Why four week? Why, like, there's so many, yeah. you know, there, there's yeah. so many, so many things we can deep dive into. And I would love to do that, but I'd love to do it if you guys would love to hear it. So please let us know. Yep. Let us know, guys. Uh, feel free to write us in our DMs, send us some voice memos. Uh, we really do our best to listen to every single thing that you guys send us. Um, if you guys want to write us a long email, dogtrainerspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a new website up, guys. If you go to dogtrainerspodcast.com, um, it's still uh, being built a little bit, so not all the features work on it, but you guys can go ahead and check it out. Um, we have a couple edits of new media and content coming up that we're going to put exclusively on the website, uh, so just keep that in mind. Um, we love you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is season two, episode 15, uh, understanding why we do it. Right. Um, again, go ahead and follow us on every, uh, every social media platform, uh, just at dog trainers podcast. And you guys can also, uh, go ahead and leave us a review on any, any podcast platform that you're listening to us. The more reviews you guys leave us, the more naturally we show up in dog training podcast searches. Um, it's so funny. The other day, someone just typed in dog trainers, and we were the first one that popped up and they were just like, oh, is this your podcast? And they're like, yeah, it just popped yeah. up. I was like, no shit. That's crazy. I don't know how the algorithm chooses it. Sometimes we show up 10th. Sometimes we show up second or first. Uh, but keep leaving those reviews, guys. We really, really appreciate you. Uh, and we look forward to hearing back from you guys uh, on episode 16. All right. We love you guys. My name is Brent Labrada and that guy's Mariano Alvarez. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.
Thank you for listening to the Dog Trainers Podcast, a podcast created by dog trainers, for dog trainers, or anyone who's ever fallen in love with man's best friend. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and can't wait to be back with you guys. Be sure to follow us at Dog Trainers Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to punch the hell out of that subscribe button and leave us a review. Remember guys, this is your podcast. You're the best listeners in the world and we'll see you next time.